It's 11.30 on Wednesday. It's time for Midday. It's June 9th. Tyler Cabali along with you. Thanks for making us a part of your day wherever you may be listening. Well, as you can tell, it's a busy one at that. Jason Jorgensen is in with sports. We'll hear from him in just a couple of moments. As you heard, Bob is on the scene of that accident about six miles east of Lexington. It has closed I-80 westbound at Overton. So again, if you're trying to travel west, uh, from over 10, you're going to have to take an alternate route. Probably just hop on Highway 30 and get back on at Lexington or further down the road. And uh, so with Bob being out, it's a mystery. Who will now step in for the business report? I believe uh, Dave or Scott or uh, we'll see. Just a, a guest mystery guy will step in. So we'll get that here in just a moment. But uh, let's first catch up with Susan Littlefield uh, to catch up what's going to come up on Midday today. Well, thanks so much, Tyler. Here's what's happening on a Midday coming from the farm team. Alex is going to kick everything off at 1219 with Jesse Fulton, director of the Nebraska Beef Quality Assurance Program, providing some details on an upcoming BQA training sessions that are going to take place all the way across the state of Nebraska. Then at 1245, Whitney steps in. Hot temperatures we know are hard on cattle. Galen Erickson, professor and beef feedlot extension specialist, shares how to reduce the impact of the heat stress on our cattle. And then wrapping up everything at 117 will be Chad as he is out at World Pork Expo. After a two-year hiatus, the show is back. We'll get details coming from him. That's a midday from the farm team. Okay, thank you very much, Susan. Sure appreciate it. We look forward to that coming up throughout the afternoon. Let's now turn to Jason Jorgensen in sports. And, well, I have to gloat, at least for now. Uh, Nuggets big man and Nikola Jokic becomes the first Nugget ever to win the MVP, as that was announced last night. And, you know, that's exciting. He's had a big year. He's a good player. I don't know if they got enough around him to move any further in the playoffs this year with all the injuries they've had. But the dude is good. Yeah, from Serbia, uh, made it all the way here. He's thrived. It's not the sexiest game, if you will, but uh, it works. And uh, he's awkward to watch, but he's the MVP. He has good fundamentals. Shows you what you can do with good footwork. Right. And the first big man to win since Shaq, which I did not know that. I didn't know that either. Other, okay, I'll admit I, I do not watch as much NBA as I did 20, 25 years ago. I'm watching the Jazz game last night. When did they change their team colors? Listen, everybody changes their team colors every 10 minutes. But they change the court, too. No, no, no. no. It's all changing. It, like I said, it changes every every week, every game. So don't, yeah. What's, when did we forget about branding? <laughs> or you turn on the TV. I mean, when I used to watch Carl Malone, Jeff yeah, Hornacek, the, John yeah. Stockton, I knew that was the Jazz. Last night, I had no idea. The traditional colors are, are out the window. So, okay. yeah, I... I, I I can't help you on that one. I don't know. It's changing. It's hard to uh, know what's going on. I'm not the target audience. All right. Very good. Uh, Dave is in as Bob is out on the accident scene. And uh, Dave, how are you yes, doing? Yes, well, doing pretty good. Lots of stuff happening, it seems. So in the stocks, though, or in the uh, business, stocks are mostly higher on Wall Street right now. There's big gains for the big tech companies. That's offsetting some weakness in banks and other parts of the market. The Dow was wavering between positive and negative territory, while the S&P 500 and NASDAQ were up uh, mostly as well. All right. It is now 11.44 here at KRVN on this Wednesday. It's time to check in with the Regional Ag Weather Update, brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation, your Ranky dealer. Joining us now is Paul Perkins. And before we get to Paul, I just want to pass along that I-80 westbound is now open at Overton. It was closed, but it is now open at Overton 
They're still dealing with the crash. Uh, they're about six miles east of Lexington. Again, our newsroom will provide more information when available, but I-80 westbound is now open at Overton. Back to the weather. It's another beautiful summer-like day for some of us. It's still cool in western Nebraska. Yeah, most of us with some sunshine right now over west central Nebraska into northwest Kansas. A fair amount of cloud cover. There are some breaks in the clouds, but uh, most of that cloud cover is along and west of a line from about the Thetford area. A little bit of it towards the Broken Bow area and Gothenburg area down to McCook and into northwest Kansas. Some breaks in the clouds, and that is limiting their warm-up right now. Only 75 on the temperature in the Ogallala and Imperial area in northwest Kansas. 72 in Colby. That compares with some low and mid-80s across the rest of the region, including as warm as 87 right now in Fremont and Wahoo and also towards the Omaha area and a little more humidity to go with that heat as you go into eastern Nebraska. The dew points in much of the region in the mid to upper 60s and that where we are seeing those higher humidities and warmer temperatures, those uh, actual feels like readings in the upper 80s to the low 90s across much of central and east Nebraska and Kansas. The warmest of that, of course, right along the Missouri River into eastern Nebraska. It is evident when you step outside, <laughs> at least I've noticed in central Nebraska in the mornings when yeah. you step outside, and you certainly get up earlier than I do to come in here for the morning show, but it just feels warm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it just it's evident. Especially as uh, it, I've noticed that those dew points really start creeping up about 7 or 8 o'clock yeah. in the morning. They're not too bad at about 6, but once that sun starts taking hold, that's when the humidity increases also, oddly right. enough. But yeah. <laughs> But today we're going to definitely uh, see pretty much the same weather we've been seeing all week long. Yeah, pretty much a repeat broken record on our weather forecast. Uh, temperatures for today and tomorrow, once again, about 5 to 10 degrees warmer than usual with the mix of sun and clouds as we sit just ahead of a cold front. Low pressure over the southern plains continuing to lift that humidity to the north. Tomorrow going to be our warmest there. Maybe you want to say hottest day in the next seven with highs well into the 90s. Humidity figured in. It's going to feel like it's near 100 for tomorrow. Thunderstorms are possible tomorrow night with the passage of a cold front. Higher chances of storms in central areas, mainly after midnight tomorrow night, so it could be mainly an overnight event. Some storms could be severe with damaging wind and hail. Currently, the Storm Prediction Center with a slight risk of severe storms. If you're along in north of I-80 and central and western Nebraska, that is late tomorrow through tomorrow night. In behind that front, Friday going to be a seasonal day, also less humidity with some breezy north winds. A building high-pressure ridge keeps the weekend through early next week mostly dry with highs back to around five to ten degrees warmer than average we will see that chance a slight chance of some showers and thunderstorms as we head towards late in the day on sunday no cool down in sight in the long-term forecast Warming the normal temperatures remain likely from Monday through June 22nd for Nebraska, Kansas, and the western two-thirds of the U.S. Decent rain could be hard to come by, but low normal rainfall in the outlook for Nebraska, Kansas, and the northern two-thirds of the U.S. Monday through June 22nd. Key weather factors affecting the markets include disappointing rains across the eastern Midwest and continued dryness for central Brazil. In the eastern Midwest, scattered rain continues through Friday before it pushes to the east. Coverage so far is isolated with many areas not seeing much. Minnesota and Iowa are dealing with higher temperatures and even less rain as drought expands or develops there. Additional rain may move into Iowa and Minnesota for Friday, but some areas could be mixed and the rain will diminish farther to the east. For the Southern Plains, rain is more isolated this week and will continue to be that way into next week. Best chance for meeting rainfall rainfall looks to be actually across Nebraska late tomorrow night into Friday. The Southern Plains outlook then turns drier afterward 
which is a benefit to the maturing and harvest of winter wheat. Recent rain in the Dakotas has been a benefit. Heat and more dry weather, though, will continue through most of next week in South Brazil. Scattered rain is stalled out and not moving north into central areas. The dry conditions is expected next week as central Brazil's second crop corn continues to run out of time for rain to be any kind of a benefit. So here in Nebraska and most likely the northern regions, in some central areas, uh, we could see potential for rain uh, tomorrow night, but also potential for severe weather. Yes, and right now the main threat continues to be just damaging wind and possibly some hail mixed within it. So it's not an overall big severe weather risk, but definitely something to watch. Once again, along and north of I-80 in western and central Nebraska, late tomorrow into tomorrow night, looks like those storms, of course, right, could be losing a little bit of their punch as they move into central areas during the overnight hours. It looks like, fortunately, our best chance of rain over the next week or two. After that, uh, not too much of a good chance. So we need a good heavy rain tomorrow yes. night. Yeah, let's hope we get something <laughs> out of that. All right, fingers crossed. For a full weather forecast, where can you find that at? Weather page, krbn.com. All right, thank you, Paul. Alex Wojcicki reporting on the Rural Radio Network. And joining us over the phone today is Jesse Fulton. He's the director of the BQA program in Nebraska. Jesse, I know you are so busy right now, so thanks so much for taking time to hop on with us. No problem, Alex. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. So you guys have a lot of trainings coming up, and actually you've already done some of them in the eastern part of the state for Nebraska Beef Quality Assurance Certification. Before we get into those details, Jesse, remind us what BQA is and what it's all about. Yeah, so the Beef Quality Assurance Program is a voluntary producer-driven program um, that focuses the producer's attention to their daily practices and how those practices influence the quality and safety of beef and beef products. And so when a producer becomes BQA certified, um, they are demonstrating to the consumer that they are committed uh, to proper animal welfare and ensuring that they are producing a safe, healthy, uh, wholesome beef product. Um, so we encourage all of our producers to get BQA certified. It helps them tell their story. So now for Nebraska producers who want to get BQA certified for the first time or they're up for recertification, I understand you guys are offering some training sessions across the state of Nebraska. Tell me more about that. Yes, so we are doing a BQA roadshow across the state of Nebraska. Um, so if your beef quality assurance certification ex- uh, expires every three years, so if the last time you were at a BQA meeting or event uh, was before 2018, then your BQA certification is probably expired. Um, if it's going to expire this year, I would definitely recommend you uh, coming to one of our events that we're doing across the state. So we are coming back to the east. We're actually going to start in, in uh, Wayne, Nebraska, um, and then we're going to move our way west. So we'll be in Wayne, Albion, Grand Island, Holdridge, North Platte, Imperial, Ogallala, Whitman and Broken Bow. Um, that's just the June one, so June 14th through the 18th is, is how we're doing that. But we do have a couple in July planned for those out here in the Panhandle so and, and up across the um, northern part of the state. So June 14th will be in Bassett and Valentine, and June 15th we're going to be in Gordon, Lakeside, and Hemingford. So we want to make sure that we are offering uh, plenty of events across the state um, to get our producers to so that they can get certified in BQA or get recertified. All right. And Jesse, like you said, you're going to be starting in the central and eastern part of the state for the next couple of weeks. And then mid-July, you guys will be in the western and northern part of the state. 
to get more information on where all of this is happening and how they need to get registered, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, so the best way to get more information is to go to bqa.unl.edu. That's our Nebraska BQA website. Uh, When you get on that website, across the top, you can click the events uh, button, and it will take you to um, the page where it has all the events listed, um, where they're going to be at with the addresses of where we're going to be, and it also gives you a phone number of who you need to RSVP with. Um, RSVP is very important because some of these events we will be offering a meal. So we have teamed up with those, with uh, folks like Zoetis and Multiman to offer um, a meal for our producers when they come. We want to feed you, and so please RSVP, and, and we hope to see you out on the road. All right. Great information as always. Jesse Fulton joining us. He's the director of the Nebraska Beef Quality Assurance Program. Jesse, thanks so much for joining us. Yes, thank you for having me. And again, you can find more information on these upcoming sessions at bqa.unl.edu. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, Max Anderson racked up another postseason award today. He was named a freshman All-American by Collegiate Baseball Newspaper. It's the third straight season that Nebraska has produced a freshman All-American. Anderson was his spring's Big Ten Freshman of the Year. The native of Omaha finished the season second on the team in both average and hits. He also added seven home runs and 32 RBIs. In 45 games. Well, redshirt freshman quarterback Luke McCaffrey's on the move again. The the younger brother of Christian, who just transferred from Nebraska this spring, has already left the Louisville program. Now, McCaffrey never technically attended classes there as he took online classes this spring from NU. He was on campus at Louisville, going through some workouts this summer, and has now decided to try to find another place to play. Good news for the UNK volleyball program. Both Maddie and Anna Squires have decided to come back for one more year for the Lopers. Each were huge contributors for UNK as they finished as the D2 National Runner-Up 2019. They each have decided to take advantage of the extra year of eligibility from the NCAA. The Lopers' other key senior, MK Wolf, has decided not to come back for another year. Longtime Lexington teacher and coach Dennis Sorrell is one of several former athletes who will be inducted this fall into the Nebraska Sports Hall of Fame. Thrill had many achievements as an athlete at Loomis. He was All-State in both football and basketball in 1963. He also played for Nebraska head coach Bob Devaney in the early to mid-60s and was a two-time letter winner's defensive back. After a stint serving our country in Vietnam, Thrill would go on to have a long coaching and teaching career at Lexington. And he talks about who convinced him to take the job with the Minutemen. And the guy that uh, contacted me about the Lexington job was, uh, was Barry Alvarez. And, of course, I was with Barry Alvarez down at Nebraska. But he was out here in Lexington as the head coach. Uh, then after that, uh, Barry called me and said, oh, well, he said, come on out. And, uh, and he was going to be going to Iowa uh, be the coach, and so that's where I got my start. My complete interview with Thorell can be found on the podcast page of krvn.com. This year's induction ceremony is set for September 26th at Lincoln East High School. That's a look at sports. For more, you can find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen.
accident has occurred east of Lexington on I-80. More from Rural Radio Network's Bob Brogan. One person has died in a pickup camper rollover crash six miles east of Lexington on Interstate 80. The rollover was reported at 10.31 a.m. Two people were transported to Lexington Regional Health Center. One person was life-flighted to a Kearney hospital. The pickup and camper were eastbound when the driver lost control and went into the median. The driver was the fatality victim. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Thank you, Bob. Business owner, farmer, and rancher Charles Herbster of Falls City, Nebraska has announced he is in the race for Nebraska governor and tells KRVN why he chose to enter. I love our state. I've been one of those individuals over at least the last decade who've continued to help support a lot of conservative Republican candidates in various fields. And yet, as I look at our state today and I see that we're really losing population of our younger people, but we're also losing population of people that are in my age bracket. 55 to 65. So one of my definite goals is to work with business leaders in Omaha and Lincoln, to work with people in the third district who are like myself, who are in the cattle business and the farming business. We, we need to rewrite our tax basis here in Nebraska. We need to look at exemptions. We need to look at consumption tax. We need to rebuild Nebraska Authorities say sheriff's deputies serving an arrest warrant at a house in rural Cass County were faced with a different emergency when a woman inside the house was fatally shot. The Nebraska State Patrol says in a news release that Cass County deputies went to the house several miles southeast of Weeping Water around 9.30 p.m. Monday to serve the warrants and were trying to make contact with a person when they heard a gunshot from inside the house. Deputies then reported hearing someone call for help. Deputies rushed into the home and found a woman with a gunshot wound and attempted to save her life, but she died at the scene. Patrol says another person was in the house at the time of the shooting. Omaha police say a shooting has left a 14-year-old boy dead. Police say the shooting happened just after 7 p.m. Tuesday near 18th and Benny Streets in North Omaha. Officers who arrived on the scene found 14-year-old Desmond Harrison with a gunshot wound and took measures to try to save his life. The child was rushed to an Omaha hospital where he later died. Police say they do not yet have any suspects and are asking the public for any information. Desmond's death was the latest in a spate of shootings in Omaha in recent days. A big prize has been claimed from the Nebraska Lottery. Donna Anderson of North Platte won $200,000 playing the White Ice Black Ice scratch-off game. She claimed the prize on Monday. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen Simmons. The All-Star Game season continues on Saturday night as we bring you the Western Nebraska All-Star Football Game from Scott's Bluff on 880 KRVN, 106.9 in and 98.5 in Grand Island. Our coverage on Saturday night starts at 745 with kickoff at 8 along the Rural Radio Network. Our broadcast is brought to you by Cozad Community Hospital, Cozad Services, Cozad Telephone Company, and Flash Electric. That's the Western Nebraska All-Star Game this Saturday night on 880 KRVN and KRVN.com. Whitney Steckle joining you now on the Rural Radio Network. As temperatures are going up, the potential of heat stress is rising within cattle systems in our state. To learn more about how to combat heat stress in beef cattle, we are visiting with Galen Erickson. Galen is a professor and a beef feedlot extension specialist for the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Galen, with warm temperatures hitting our state this week, there's potential for heat stress to hit some cattle. 
What type of impacts does heat stress have on a producer's bottom line? Well, I think first and foremost, we are managing heat stress to avoid, obviously, death losses. Um, but cattle are not tolerant to heat, and especially if they're not acclimated. And it's been such a nice spring and, and cool temperatures that really they're not acclimated. So this first heat uh, events will really be a challenge on cattle. So first and foremost, producers want to avoid, obviously, any any welfare and, and death loss concerns. But secondly, I think producers need to recognize that, that cattle can really uh, primarily try and control heat stress by eating less feed. So they should expect cattle, especially in feed yards, are going to back off and eat less feed. And uh, as a result, we tend to see less intake, a little less gain during heat stress events. And so if you've got a lot of cattle going to market during during some of these heat events, then you may see cattle with a little less gain on them than what you were hoping. But in the, in the end, it's primarily managing from death loss. So you mentioned that cattle reduce their intake a little bit when they are stressed by the heat. But what steps can feedlot producers take to combat the heat stress in cattle? You actually want the cattle to tell you what they'll eat. Um, if you try to remove the intake from them, you may actually get them hungry and aggressive, and then they overeat, which is not a, or eat too fast, which is not a good combination with high grain feedlot type diet. So you want to be careful managing intake, and I guess I'd just let them tell you when they want to eat less. But there are some things that producers can do. First and foremost, you know, if their infrastructure is in place for sprinkling and or shade, um, better have those systems ready and, and functioning now before we get into the heat stress event. But not every feed yard has those capabilities. So I think some other things to think about is if you have multiple pens and, and some open pens, some feed yards will notice that their airflow is a bit of a concern. Maybe they have some pens at the bottom of the hill that the air doesn't move as well. If you have the flexibility, try to keep cattle out of pens that don't have good airflow. Um, secondly, and maybe one of the most important things in a severe heat stress event is to give the cattle more access to water. Uh, an old rule of thumb for water trough space is one inch of of water access per head. So in other words, if you have a 100-head pen, most of the water tanks that feed producers would have would have 100 inches of trough space in that pen. If you, uh, if you go to three, four, five inches of water trough space per head, that's a good way to, to help give the cattle access to more cool water and naturally drink more. So how do they do that, right? If you already have a full feed yard and you can't change the water tank, so you can bring in temporary water, uh, bring in tanks, and or uh, uh, some have even gone to the to the extreme of putting water in the feed bunks to hold water there to give them access. Um, you can spray pens, right? If you uh, can bring water trucks in and spray the, the the pen to cool off the surface and give the cattle a cooler place to lay down, but you want to be careful there, too, because that can increase humidity by spraying more water. And, and so it kind of depends on what the humidity level is, is like. Another option is you can bed the cattle. Sounds counter, counterintuitive, but actually bedding will help cool the pen surface. Um, and then you can feed a little less energy diet. So you may want to increase the roughage or the forage in a diet in these feedlot systems, which will help take some of the energy that the cattle are consuming because when cattle consume energy, then they produce heat. And the more energy we consume, 
whether it's us or, or cattle, the more heat that they're going to produce inside their body. So those are some of the, the main things. And then I think an obvious one, hopefully to everybody, is don't process cattle. In other words, if you have cattle that you need to, to work or process, just don't do it during these heat stress events, right? So that's probably the, the biggest issues. So is there anything else that you would like to add for us today? Well, I think, you know, like I said, every everybody seems to watch the weather. Uh, so what should they watch for? I think there's certain situations that, that producers should actually be familiar with on what are the what are the types of situations that lead to greater heat stress. And one is obviously hot temperatures. That's obvious. Sunny sunny weather, right? Cloud cover is a friend here. Uh, second or third would be low wind. So wind speed is is uh, is a major predictor of how well cattle tolerate this. That the more airflow they have, the the better they can handle the, the heat stress event. And then humidity, of course, and, and humidity has actually been interesting because if we see a hot night, which is usually an indication of humidity, it's the next day that the cattle are most stressed. And so humidity slash nighttime temperatures is a good indicator to really be watching for. For more information, they can visit our beef website, beef.unl.edu, and those those tools are there and some of this information. So. I guess to me that's watch the weather, have a plan in place, and be prepared to implement those plans whenever we see heat stress events coming would be my main advice. I mean, the other thing I'd mention is that in, in addition to fat cattle being more sensitive, uh, obviously uh, hide color has an impact on this. So not much producers can do about that. We have a lot of black-hided cattle, but uh, they're a little more sensitive. So those would be the pens of cattle to watch and to give even more comfort to. Awesome. Well, that's some great information. Thank you for your time today, Galen. We sure appreciate it. My pleasure. Again, that's Galen Erickson, a professor and beef feedlot extension specialist for the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. I am Whitney Stuckel reporting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. Moyer with you here on the Rural Radio Network and uh, this afternoon coming to you from World Pork Expo in Des Moines, Iowa. We're visiting with the president of the National Pork Producers Council, Jen Sorensen. She works with Iowa Select Farms and uh, again is president of NPPC. Uh, Jen, is how cool is it to, to say we're at World Pork Expo since we haven't been here for two years? Huh? And more so, how cool is it to smell the savory scent of pork and bacon wafting through the Iowa State Fairgrounds? It is so great to be back here at the World Pork Expo. We've missed this. We've missed the fellowship and the camaraderie and the interaction we get for, with our suppliers and our vendors and everyone here who's helping us get more innovative and drive efficiency and production improvements throughout our throughout our farm. So we're, we're thrilled to be here. All right. Jen, let's talk about a couple of hot button issues that NPPC is following right now. This discussion about chain speeds within pork processing plants. I commented to somebody else, it's seemed like we we dealt with this years and years ago. Why are we talking about it again now? Well, you're right. It came in fast and hot. You know, a federal district court struck down provisions of the USDA's new swine inspection system just here recently, uh, calling on reduced line speeds in the NSIS plants. And that's 
Um, Dermot Hayes estimates a, a loss of 2.5% port capacity across the U.S. Now, that might sound small. I don't think it's small. But for these plants that were operating at the larger line speed, that could be 20 to 25% loss capacity. And that is a huge number. And you think about what we went through last summer with backing up, losing the packing capacity, hogs got backed up, you know, it became very problematic on our farms and also in the marketplace as well. So we're very concerned about this and we also believe that small farmers will be disproportionately impacted. So this is a top priority for us right now. Another one, and this isn't just agriculture, I hear it up and down Main Street all the time, that's labor. Where do we find the next group of workers or a current group of workers to come in? No different for the pork industry, huh? It is really, really hard, and I would say we're even at a bigger disadvantage because our farms are located in rural America where there's already declining populations. And livestock production is... It's hard work, and we need a skilled and quality workforce. It is every day, daily observation, breeding, weeding, feeding, all of those things that go into, you know, excellent animal care. And the labor shortage is something that we've been talking about for years, but it is so critical and we feel like in this time period too producers are just getting hurt even harder you know we keep raising our minimum wages and we offer those great benefits packages and all the fun and unique perks that we can do as employers but it is still not enough we have got to get uh, h2a reform we've got to get um, a solution for labor and you know some sectors of agriculture have an h2a program that works really well for them to bring in seasonal workers from other countries and then they leave after the work is done and the problem is that livestock care is every day it's not seasonal right it's every day we're in the barns taking care of our animals and so that workforce solution doesn't fit for us so we need reform all right very good well thank you so much for the update jen appreciate it very much oh thanks so much for having me i'm gonna go get a, a pork loin sandwich i can't wait yeah would you save one for me please thank <laughs> we'll you. bring you back some ribs yep awesome again that's jen Sorensen. she is president of the national pork producers council iowa select farms is where she works and again on hand in des moines uh, for the uh, annual world pork expo which is underway at the iowa state fairgrounds here on the rural radio network chad moyer reporting Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check in with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing and Chicago Publisher of the newsletter this week in grain. John, as the grain settlements come across the screen, a little bit of a mixed trade coming ahead of tomorrow's WASDI report. What's the bigger thing on traders' mind, the WASDI data out tomorrow or the bigger picture weather that Iowa could continue to be very dry? Weather, 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 weather. I mean, tomorrow numbers are an objective opinion on where we're going to be in six months as far as demand goes. It's, it really isn't uh, a big changer. Outside of the wheat complex, we're not going to see much in the way of supply changes. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past USDA to sneak them in. I don't expect you'll see it in corner beans. That'll be in the 30th report. If it does, I'm, and I'm wrong there, the markets will be extra volatile. Uh, but as, as I mentioned, the weather is, is a concern, uh, especially when you put it in and then look, looking long-term, longer-term forecasts are, are still for dry. So if the rain doesn't hit over Friday, I think Friday – Morning, Friday evening, uh, you know, Northwest Iowa. That's kind of the, the zero. T- that's my target right now. Watching that area, uh, and if it doesn't hit that time, they're not going to get it for another week. So, uh, at least that that's what the forecasters are saying now. I think you throw in a, a bullish USDA report, you're going to see you know the market exacerbate higher, 
uh, as far as how high, maybe 750 on the May. That was or in the July. That's where the May went. I could see him putting in that kind of premium here if uh, if demand would would push in the near term. So plenty of things to keep in mind and keep considered. We did get out some Chinese PPI data today, tomorrow, U.S. CPI data. Any concern from a macro perspective, or really do these grains kind of look to be really more focused in on their supply-demand fundamental market at the moment? No concerns. I think the way I, I – it's, it's really an interesting dynamic. It's one that I haven't seen in a while. I mean, in my career, really, following these markets for 15 years, it's, it, the supply side pressure or the pricing pressure is really going to go on to the consumer side, uh, except in 2008, 2007, the, pre, the producer inputs were, were higher then. Now it's on the other foot. It's like the, the, you know, the, the farmers on the last few years have, are suffering much like the processors are now, whether that be a user of any commodity. If you're a lumber producer or if you're building a house, uh, feeding on an animal, uh, doing anything with a commodity that requires commodity inputs, and it's tough to stretch that commodity, you're seeing the producers suffer. Consumers are going to have to start to pay higher to offset that. Otherwise, the producers are going to stop to produce. And I don't think that's possible at this point. So short term, it's maybe a little bit of a blip from that data. But long term, I think we're going to still need all the supplies we can get. That's John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. You can always learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Again, their website is danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. Catch John's commentary again as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com. All right, thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Wednesday edition of Midday. You can listen to the Midday Podcast, sponsored by Devaney Motors, wherever podcasts are available, or krvn.com.